finally, we're back. I'm so excited. Uh, so excited to be back for another exciting edition of the Poundcast, where we're going to today, Nick, try to remember the highs and lows of all the wonderful digital things that happened this summer. Probably mostly lows, I would imagine. Full summer wrap-up. Well, I mean... Not that we could remember everything, but we're going to hit some highlights and some lowlights of digital. A lot's happened, I think. I think so. Well, Pokemon Go, we've got Instagram versus Snapchat. We've got the Olympics. That was big, fun news for a couple weeks to distract us from uh, all things Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. You know what is funny? Because everybody talks about how they just can't wait to get outside in the summertime because we have eight months of uh, winter. And then Pokemon Go happens, and everyone's still staring at their screens. They're not out there, and uh, that's a good you know. point. But the good thing about it is that now you can get outside and still watch TV. It's a fun mashup on that uh, on that theme. <laughs> yeah. So it's like pe- people can go out and you know get a little exercise, still get their screen fix at the same time. Same time. It, it, the pastiest people in our society got a slight tan this summer. When Pokemon think, Go happened. I feel you're looking at me when you're saying <laughs> the pasty part, but that's a great little intro for us to uh, talk about our exciting uh, Poundcast. So I'm Jax Murphy, creative director, partner, Pound and Grain, Toronto, mm-hmm. and I'm here with my awesome co-host on the Poundcast. Nick Kewen, a guy who just strolled in one day. <laughs> I don't, off, off the street. I, I, don't, I don't have all the fancy titles. <laughs> I would, you're, you're a writer... Uh, filmmaker, uh, GIF uh, finder and curator, uh, joke teller. GIF finder and curator is actually, I'm just going to go with that one. I, <laughs> I, I like it. Where do I get 100 business cards made up? Yeah, you're, right you're, you're lacking on social media, though. Well, you're about to see my LinkedIn profile change. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Yeah, in your Twitter bio. Yeah. Perfect. Uh, and if we're on Twitter still. So uh, today, uh, we, th- we, we figure we should mention we are trying something new. We are recording... <laughs> Like a like a like a half baked uh, band at a rehearsal space. We're, we're uh, in recording Toronto. in the midst of pure cacophony. Yes, like on one side, I think <laughs> was Steve Winwood. On the other, was tragically <laughs> hip, which was very sad. Yeah, and there's Weezer covers happening too. So, <laughs> to, just to clarify that a little bit, we're in a, a band rehearsal space, and we thought that this would be a nice, quiet place. So, if you hear some background, or uh, we get a cease and desist lawyer from uh, the tragically hips uh, lawyers. <laughs> Uh, telling us to shut it down because we're not sampling. Uh, yeah, that's why. But we hope this this sounds better. I think that this scenario could either come across to our listeners as charming, or like uh, we are rank amateurs. So it's just tough to tell. I don't know if there's any middle ground on this. I don't think there's anything wrong with being a rank podcast amateur, to be honest. <laughs> the charming part, right? Yeah, well, I mean, we're on episode 11, not to belabor this this very extended introduction, but we finally decided to like amp up our equipment, and then uh, tr- because they're constructing yet another building beside our office, we thought, you know, maybe this would be the way to go. I think it's an evolved sound. Like, before it sounded like perhaps we might have been in a... Closet, a, a or, U-boat, or a bathroom. <laughs> a U-boat at best, a bathroom at worst. Yeah. Uh, and now maybe it sounds like like we're hip, cool because we're uh, jamming. So why don't we jump into our kind of list of things that we wanted to uh, 
discuss, talk about. Um, I wanted to start with with what I think we can call the the sixty day rise and fall of Pokemon Go. Uh, so we're we're so wait wait I have to ask yeah <laughs> has it fell is it over I mean obviously it rose and I'm not gonna let let you off the hook by distracting me because I'm gonna ask you if you downloaded it uh oh I was gonna throw a few more uh, deflections in there <laughs> no of course I didn't so you weren't one of the 180 million people that uh, downloaded Pokemon Go well starting in July so I'm a very conscientious app downloader i like it meaning you could construe that as laggard but i like to see what the masses are doing i'm not a sheep it's smart i don't just jump in take my time uh, i see if there's staying power before i get in there and and you know spend my time on something that's not going to be uh, useful to my life i'm pretty sure uh pokemon go fits all those criteria of not being useful for your life although i hear there's been many people who have um hmm had exercise breakthroughs because of running around cities probably and i laud them for that you know i really do but i i just felt like um for me it wasn't going to bring too much but i was of course interested in the phenomenon i read about oh. it i just didn't feel like i personally needed it 100 percent. Yeah. i mean it was interesting because in canada we were lagging behind the state so you know we had a lot of people who in our office were complaining and belly aching because they couldn't download it although they somehow figured out how to download it before the canadian release and in that lead up that last two weeks before i can't go any further i love that the the lights are twinkling on us like yellow reds greens it's amazing i feel like we're on stage we're doing like a live podcast well congratulations jackson you're officially a rock star i am as close as i'll ever get um but it was interesting both to see, you know, we're, we're on our off at our office in Toronto, and it's a it's an interesting location. Google it, look it up, get our search rankings up there. Uh, but if you if you if you understand how it how our building is, it's kind of kind of connected by two alleys to get to a parking lot where our office is in the middle. Sounds amazing. It is. It used to be an old uh, uh, service station where you could fix your car. Now. The crazy thing was that two weeks prior to it being released in Canada, just seeing packs of people cruising through that area because there was pokey stops. I'm not sure if you're down with the lingo. Uh, <laughs> right, there was one on either side of the office, and just seeing these nerds, sorry, <laughs> excited humans out in nature with their phones, um, seeking out um, these pokey creatures. So for us, it was more of like it felt a little bit like we were at a zoo mm -hmm. looking at our window being able to record um, you know animals using stones and stick tools for the first time like the humans were in fact the creatures yes and we were looking at them mocking them posting on social media about how ridiculous it was um, and you know there was nothing wrong with it. it it was it was interesting and then as it got released our whole um, team jumped on board because we were having a staff party mm -hmm. and there was a lot of uh, more competition like how how quickly could you rise up the ranks and I can honestly say the best thing for a short term uh, boost in your points your capturing a Pokemon party bus through a craft brew tour because uh, it makes it really easy hey I, that's an aspect I never thought of 
it's team building. It was, it was team building. So you downloaded it, obviously. What, your thoughts? You know, what you- I downloaded it. I played, f- I think, for about two weeks. Then they did an update, and then I had to log in again, and I decided that I didn't need to log back in again. So what I felt found really interesting when I read about this, uh, the rise and fall, was yeah. that um, a lot of sort of, uh, you know, pundits or, you know, analysts were talking about how um, this could be a, a new era of a trend being even shorter than it has been in the past. So it, there was a few examples within that, I think. Um, I think it was 1953, don't quote me on the year, that the hula hoop... 58. 58. 58, sorry. That the hula hoop was released, and for an entire year, kids cared. Can you imagine a year of hype over the hula hoop? That is a a generation starved of entertainment. And it's persisted. Sorry, Dad. (laughs) I mean, can, can you imagine that 60 years from now, any kid will talk about that time that Pokemon Go was released... And they'll still play it. They'll still just be really interested in playing it. Because kids still play with hoops, you know. They still play with, like, all sorts of things that are mm-hmm. simple. Yeah. So another 60 years from now, a trend will last maybe an hour. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting that, that the articles, there was a Bloomberg article um, that kind of compared some of the other games out there. The, the Flappy Bird fad, the uh, Fruit Ninja fad, the Candy Crush fad. <laughs> the Angry Birds fad, the Farmville th- fad. I mean, there was a lot of, I mean, some of those things that you're just like, yeah, and I know every once in a while on Facebook, I see some random Candy Crush ad, mm-hmm. and every once in a while you see some person that is like more of a laggard than you playing Fruit Ninja, but mm-hmm. it's weird how though even those games lasted a longer period of time than this 60 days of nothing no users peaking um like early july at about 45 million users a day Mm -hmm. and then slowly trickling down from there um to the to the point where you know today end of august it's it's closing like under the 30s and stuff so it peaked Mm -hmm. really quickly like within the the first uh couple weeks and then it 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 kind of sustained itself for for maybe two or three weeks and then it's been a a steady decline ever since well doesn't it make sense that you know it was riding on the hype train at first and now it's probably at the normal numbers for yeah uh you know a a gaming app that's still quite popular yes oh i mean it's it's crazy because so some of the numbers that people are estimating that i think are absolutely crazy is that even at this lower usage rate it still could possibly be bringing in four million dollars per day of in-app purchases and its total purchases through the whole summer 440 million dollars and by summer we are talking about 60 days i mean if that if those numbers are correct i mean kim kardashian's gonna be like my app didn't get that and she made a ton of money on her app like these are huge numbers for a summer half a billion dollars Mm mm-hmm and what is it that people are buying on the app? Oh, Nick. Oh, here we go. <laughs> well, there is some monetization of the lures to attract Pokemon that, you know, both you can do personally and I know, you know, in Toronto at least, tons of bars and restaurants that are close to Pokestops just keep spending money to, like, put a lure there so there's always Poke activity. I mean, I was up at Casa Loma for a concert earlier this week and 
they must have had a social media intern rocking hard on lures because um, yes, my lovely fiance Jose is still playing it. She's one of <laughs> the stalwarts, still into it every day, playing on our way to work, playing on our way way home from work. So, at the risk of sounding dumb. I risk it a lot, really, but I'm no, going for it. No stupid questions on the Poundcast, Nick. You know that. Okay, so uh, is are the good people at Pokemon Go reaching out to landmarks and saying, "Do you want to purchase these Pokestop, whatever it is, or do you, or do you think that you know some social media intern is saying we can drive a lot of physical traffic through here if we buy these things? Yeah, I think it's I think it's more the organic nature of it. Really? Um, yeah. I don't think they have a sales force of, of uh, pokey uh, people trying to do that. But it, it is. They should. They would they, have hit a billion by now. If they I did. think they could have monetized it even more. Yeah, I mean, and there's other ways that just a regular user, you know, can, uh, you know, buy things, buy the things that they don't want to wait for, all the usual stuff of a free game. Mm-hmm. You can buy more Pokeballs. You can buy more berries to attract the Pokemon. You can do all this stuff with a little bit of in app purchase. And all that adds up when you have. 180 million downloads in a course of mm-hmm. you know 60 days so it is currently still a free app however oh yeah free <laughs> there you go fellow leggers <laughs> you can still it's not too late to get on this this train but get it is there. it's definitely not in the social media chatter or the you know for a few weeks there it was yeah every restaurant's chalkboard menu or outside uh, sort of thing was had the Pokemon um, kind of branding and stuff like that, luring people in. So it's it just interesting that in one summer, mm-hmm. something caught fire, happened, started petering out. Why do you think it hit saturation so quickly? Because it's the summer and there's nothing happening. <laughs> Is I think that, that? I, no, I think that the, 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 the stories and, and kind of buzz, the, 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 it wasn't just a 60 day kind of rise in terms of, the brand of Pokemon because it's been around for a long time. People have been like uh, building that brand and the cards and the really nerdy stuff for, you know, two decades. Um, So I think there was a lot of heart for the brand leading up to it. And this just gave the sort of keeners of the, of that brand an outlet. And then people who weren't into it, it's just a fun game. I mean, I, I know, um, you know, there's some other opportunities to take other intellectual property and make this game of a real world thing. I mean, mm-hmm. internally we talked about it. it would be so much cooler rather than chasing Pikachu, which as a <laughs> not young person sounds ridiculous. Not as ridiculous. I mean, I would do a Game of Thrones version. I would do a Star Wars version. I would do... Now we're talking. Yeah, exactly. I mean, so you go in the real world and you catch um, Game of Thrones characters or dragons. Like, I think you'd probably turn that 180, 180 million downloads into 300 million downloads and you would have a printing press for money, I think, for... uh, I can think of a lot of ways that just, you know, despite despite my... uh, laggardism I, I could have been a lot more engaged personally for instance if this was like I don't know aliens or something and I was running around shooting those guys yeah like a darker uh, more sinister, darker, more like adult. adult version yeah, yeah. I mean so I think like the, the 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 company that makes it which was like I, th- 
I think it was like spun out from a Google venture and I'm sure like it's just one platform that they could churn out a hundred different games from it all based on real world um, sort of location so totally. I think like I don't think dramatically calling it the 60 day rise and follow Pokemon Go is not necessarily um, uh, you know being too um, crazy or to, to, to sort of think that it's gone I think it's more mm-hmm. what does this mean for the next kind of real world meets um, um, digital world right. interaction and I think you know how that's related to things like VR and augmented reality. I think that's kind of where things are going. Yeah. And as I understand it, at least now that these, that the same company has everything geo mapped. Yeah. They could branch into another game very easily and have all those locations already at, at their disposal. Totally. Yeah. It's amazing. It's, it's amazing in Toronto seeing some of the, the pokey stops that, that aren't actually a thing anymore. Like that they were graffiti on a building that's been torn down because the um, content of that geomapping was mm-hmm. probably done a couple years ago. Wow. So it's kind of interesting how things, qu- how quickly things change in the real world. Right. And, but that is also what led to injuries with people walking off of <laughs> roads that were no longer there. And for yes. instance, like, <laughs> that, that's neither here nor there. No. These people, you know, full disclaimer to anybody who wants to download it now, keep your head up. Just, just yeah, do it. Don't, don't. Don't be ashamed. Or wear full hockey equipment yeah. when you walk around doing it. <laughs> it can't be any worse than doing covers of Courage in the jam space. Uh, so maybe enough Pokemon Go, Nick, and maybe we can talk about probably the, the, the if we're going on a list of biggest digital storylines, I think would be this idea of, of uh, Instagram kind of, I don't want to say going to war with Snapchat. Like people were saying... Mm-hmm. How, how can they do this? How can they rip off uh, Snapchat's uh, way of doing things? Well, I'm, I think it's not really new or, mm-hmm. or uh, novel. I think it's just that's the way of the world of the web. You can tell video stories. So <laughs> they I, don't know to own that. I, I think the way that I, I see it, at least, it's like it, it shouldn't matter that there are two apps that both do the same thing. It's just whether or not one it'll be the death of, of the snap, basically. So do you think that that is going to happen? I mean, like, there's lots of room in the world to have two applications that both function in this way. Yes. But is it, you know, am I wrong about that? Is one going to kill the other? I think that's the, I think that's the big question. I think that's what a lot of these um, Snapchatters, is that what they're called? Snapchatters? Snappers. Snappers. <laughs> uh, you know, they'd be on Snapchat and they'd be all like, hey guys, gonna be going over to Instagram to try out um, Instagram stories, love your feedback, like just just seeing like what I should do there and what I should do there. And and in the back of my head, I'm, I'm thinking like one of our clients, one of our brands going like, do I really have to have a strategy for snapping and then have a strategy for Instagram stories as well as my regular stories strategy for Instagram Mm -hmm. regular and Facebook and people are still tweeting it's that same thing that happens of just like do I really need another thing right the the same way as do I really need to download Pokemon Ah, there's so many other things you could be doing and what crave your attention Um, I think that's the the debate both the the um, the 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 social media people who are trying to like leverage these platforms because Mm -hmm. You know, I think they've gotten a lot of uh, free reign on Snapchat in the same way that, say, 
maybe at the beginning of Facebook where you could you could get all of your followers for virtually nothing mm-hmm. as a brand and get 40 million followers if you're Bud Light or Pepsi or whatever. Um, I think that's what a lot of brands are trying to do. Like, oh, if I go it there, it'll be cheaper, faster to build a following and connect with my audience versus, oh, it's on Facebook, essentially. Mm-hmm. I'll probably have to pay do I have to do another sort of thing? Mm-hmm. And is it different? So is it too easy or, or too early, sorry, uh, do you think to say that um, the same content could be reused between the two uh, platforms? Uh, yeah. Is it, would, that, would that be a cheesy move or is that something like as a brand, you don't want to deal with this new thing that's come out? I think the repu- repl- replication is something brands have been like trying to deal with for the birth of any of these social medias like can I tweet the same thing that I put on Facebook Mm -hmm. and I think they usually try to like recycle or upcycle Mm -hmm. content on each of those platforms that's relatively the same I think that the, the, the difference I see is that Instagram is a platform that is like designed to to um shame you into being a great photographer (laughs) or at least like someone who does great selfies or beautiful food shots it 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 definitely seems like people judge you if your content doesn't look good whereas snapchat nobody cares like you can put emojis and stupid big text and draw and Mm -hmm. all these things use their filters to make yourself look like a dog face or a toast face or a you know bird face or whatever it is it's very silly and in the moment and not serious do you think the the that classic instagram sort of um higher attention to detail is going to translate into stories or is it going to be the more lax um snapchat sort of approach Currently, you see it both ways. You see people trying to do um, some of the funny, drawn, sort of doesn't look very good stuff. Mm -hmm. You see some people who make beautiful Instagram photos doing beautiful Instagram stories that are are quite similar. So, I I mean, what I see is a platform of just like how... how far do people want to do? Is a, is a story because it's not permanent? You can be silly, you can be funny, you can put, um, you know, fox ears on your head or do something silly. All things that you and I would not. We are above all of that, obviously. I've never fox ear. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I've never used one of those filters because I am terrified of someone screenshotting it of me <laughs> looking ridiculous. Yeah. Um, I I I realize that Snapchat's for more fun. We'll see on that point also. Uh, neither of us are tweens, so I suppose if you're a brand and you're trying to talk to that demographic, you're going to Snapchat. Yeah, as opposed to Instagram Stories. I think that's still the case for sure. Yeah. Like I, 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 I think it's it's a generational thing. Even like just uh, top of mind because you know they're not playing any tragically hip right now. They being the band next door. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they seem to have gone to some. They're slow jazzy camps. now. Yeah, they're a jazzy slow band now. <laughs> uh, I'd be fascinated to see what they look like. Um, <laughs> the uh, watching that 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 big concert a couple weeks ago, you know, um, it was interesting to see where people were doing social media because uh, Facebook and Twitter and Snapchat. It's totally cool to snap yourself watching TV. Mm-hmm. 
people on Instagram are not down with like I'm taking a picture of you sitting in front of your television set. It's blurry. It looks terrible. Bit of a hoity-toity app, isn't it? When we talk about it this I, I, way, well, it is. I, it is I, I didn't even think of it that way until we started talking about it. That yeah. there is like a there is an interesting. Um, it's well, it is culture. Purely aesthetic. There's nothing else about Instagram. I don't. Well, there is a caption that's available, but who really cares about that? Words. It is visual. Yeah. <laughs> stupid words. We're stupid words. So we want it to look good when we're looking at it. Yeah. That's it. That's t- that's tantamount 100%. to success. A hundred percent. So I yeah. I think that's interesting. Just about what generation or or what. Uh, part of the user base uses your product and then how they use it and then back circling way 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 back to your first uh, kind of question is is there room for both of them mm-hmm. I would think given all those check boxes yes I think what Instagram has for that older demographic mm-hmm. or even the the casual demographic I put our you and you and me in that is it's way easier to discover your friends and find that content mm-hmm. it's way um you know more adept at the quality of content and i suspect that ultimately those two points probably move more people over to the instagram platform if you're nike or you're um lululemon um to pick two brands out of thin air seems like there's no question you would, you would want to be on Instagram yeah. and make it look awesome. Even your stories should look awesome and, and beautiful. And on, on Snapchat, maybe that's where you could have some fun, but it's not no. going to be the same quality. Instagram, you'd be hitting a wider audience. You yeah. have uh, some more room to play with uh, the, the, the formatting. Yeah, I, and I think the third wild card is just like, how much money does Facebook have to put the screws onto Snapchat and mm-hmm. make it difficult. Like they're going to make money off their stories. It's still, you know, obviously Snapchat is monetizing things and it's expensive to get your own mm-hmm. custom filters. It's, it's expensive to get your own geo filters. All the monetization is there. They are bringing in ads as well. Aren't they not? I, well, I think, I think that's some of the plans is right. like sort of slowly work in sponsored snaps into your feed tweens aren't having it yet they are the not tweens hate those <laughs> you remember when everybody hated that about instagram and then we just got used to it it was just like every now and then there's just an ad in the feed and you're just like okay sure it I'll, I'll, makes sense it makes total sense and i yeah. freely ad- i'll freely admit this and this is bias of working in the digital marketing and advertising business I've actually found helpful things that are sponsored on Facebook and Instagram in the last couple of weeks that I was like, whoa, I didn't know that. Like, uh, well, they're quite tailored to you, I believe. Yes. I mean, Sometimes like, you're like, what? That's yeah. not for me. Uh, yeah, I know. I got one from A&W. I haven't been to that. That was, that was for me. <laughs> Sorry. Why am I getting yours, Jack? <laughs> uh, so that, I think that's, that's a good, good uh, sort of discussion on that. How about we talk about the other kind of big thing? I think, you know, if, if we looked at the sort of continuum of June, July, and August, there was um, Pokemon Go. There was this big influx of instagram versus snapchat there was some event that happened in brazil and, yeah, and then like, there's this <laughs> giant worldwide event that that basically takes everyone's attention off of everything else no one thinks about the politics no one thinks about 
terrorism. It's just no one even was talking about Zika, which I thought was the whole point of having the Olympics in Brazil. But for, for everyone to get it, yeah. But that just doesn't seem the, the case. So we're talking about the uh, summer games uh, because I don't want the uh, IOC to come cracking down on our. Um, yeah, we can't say what kind of summer games. <laughs> I think we can call them the Olympic Games. I don't think they're going to go this deep in the podcast. <laughs> the IOC and the the uh, the lawyers from uh, Tragically Hip can come after us at this point. Yeah. Uh, but I think what's interesting about the two weeks of the summer games is that not only did like people get totally swept up into watching and talking about things that are as trivial as um, Pokemon Go in terms of the bigger thing. It's like the Kylie Jenner of real things that people should be thinking about is, you know, steeplechase. I mean, is that a sport that people get passionate about except every four years? And then you're like instantly an expert or, I mean, for me personally, I seriously think if I put my head down and my heart into it, I could hit Tokyo for shot put. That seems like like my my sport. And you know, not to sound too cynical here, but you would be a hero for two weeks, and then everyone would forget about uh, but, you again while you are training so hard, yes, for so long to become a master at your craft. <laughs> And everyone cares. See, that's where you get your Instagram, bio, your um, LinkedIn bio is like, yeah. I was an Olympian. Even if you didn't win, right. you're always, I'm an Olympian. Yeah, but they must, like, Olympians must just be pissed when they see, like, you know, baseball players and hockey players and people care year round about those people. Like, yeah. And they must be like, you think you're a better athlete than me? Have you seen me long jump? Yeah. Oh, my <laughs> God. Long jump looks really hard. Yeah. You know what looks pretty crazy what is that 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 girl's name very short gymnast that's doing those oh, amazing yeah. things yeah um <laughs> <laughs> the, you mean the star of the olympics i mean the entire olympics <laughs> should be it should be renamed this woman's name um it's uh, simone simone biles simone biles yeah the bile the b- <laughs> I don't know about that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that that was not a nickname that caught on. <laughs> but I I think just to take us to to a digital place. Well, maybe before I do that, mm-hmm. did, did you, I feel like you're like unconnected, Nick? Mm-hmm. Did you watch a single second of footage of the Olympics? And if so, mm-hmm. how did you consume that content? Well, luckily there are TVs at bars. <laughs> Smart. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i watched me some badminton it's a great sport great it was so yeah. great honestly i watched that and i thought it looks intense i thought why do we watch you know football yeah no offense to football fans but it is way more boring than badminton yeah badminton was awesome i watched a couple of games yeah it is like way more intense than it fe- it sounds not intense but it was and the the fact that the the, the key ingredient of badminton is, is the poppycock yeah <laughs> is it, what is it called no it's a shuttlecock, shuttlecock. <laughs> what did you call it a poppycock, poppycock. <laughs> classic <laughs> uh yeah the shuttle- that statement was poppycock <laughs> yes that was that was that was funny though that's a good uh that's a gooder uh but it it's an it's those those sports that you get passionate about is why people tune into the olympics which brings me to our digital connection uh so the ratings the tv ratings and 
digital streaming. Um, so for NBC, so that's um, the, the stats that I think are, are most indicative. Their coverage averaged 27.5 million viewers across all platforms, including streaming, down 9% from the Olympics four years ago. It gets uglier because um, for the traditional TV numbers, viewership starting at the opening ceremonies declined 28% from London, okay. which is crazy. Is there? Do you have a guess? On why? Yeah. Well, one more stat. Okay. Can I throw one more stat? Yeah, truth yeah. Bomb on there. Us? Yeah. Uh, Sports Illustrated uh, reported that for NBC, they had 100 million unique users who streamed 3.3 billion minutes of games footage on their platforms. Mm. Um, this could be an anomaly because... NBC actually streamed 4,500 hours out of the total 6,755 hours that were available to stream. So a total number of hours of Olympic games you could have watched in a perfect world, 6,755, which sounds insane. Mm -hmm. uh, you couldn't even watch it in the two weeks. It's crazy. No. Um, in 2012, they only streamed 3,500 hours, so they streamed an extra 1,000 hours, which got them right. the 3.3 billion minutes. So this is acceptance, that people want to consume their media? In That's what I would say. Yeah. yeah, I would say that like it's pretty clear what is NBC, what is CBC, what is the BBC, the other Cs, Itali Italian Cs. television. What do they do for 2020? to capture like do they even bother like can they do what what NBC does can they do non-live events mm -hmm. um, delayed events putting things in prime time which is a conceptual thing that I don't think anyone under 40 gets anymore right like you're like prime time for you is probably whenever I feel like watching anything Nick time <laughs> Nick, <laughs> Nick's time is always prime time yeah <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think that's the the big thing. Like, what 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 can um, what can they do? They they spend billions of dollars just to have these rights, and at the same time, them and the IOC don't want people to have control over the content. They they you know shut down tweets for animated gifs of mm -hmm. Olympic coverage faster than they would people harassing or people saying racist right. things or people saying hateful things. Yeah. You have a, a clip of Michael Phelps from the Olympic coverage yeah. shutting you down. Well, I can just picture the um, army of lawyers yeah. that was involved with uh, the, the decisions that, that Twitter would make to shut down entire accounts yeah. based on posting a GIF yeah. uh, of Olympic coverage. Yeah. It's insane. Um, the, the same sort of, I remember a couple of years ago with uh, the World Cup and Periscope, there was the same sort of issue. So, I mean, like this type of thing is just going to continue to happen. I don't know really how um, social media outlets could maintain, uh, could monitor, I sorry, yeah. and shut down anybody's account. Anybody that has to happens to uh, post a live stream of an event. It would be impossible in the yeah. future, I think. And it would seem to be that, like, if you, if everyone's, tweeting or posting animated gifs of um it's a great guitar solo happening right now it's while my guitar gently weeps 
This is the greatest recording ever. Yeah. Uh, it would seem to me that if you um, had tons of people posting your content and carrying the water for you and get gearing up excitement for these big moments, whether it was Simone Biles or Michael Phelps or, or you know, um, um, the Canadian gold medal winners, um, Penny. What was her name? Penny? Penny? Uh, Hardaway? No, no, that was a basketball player, but I like it. Um, it's the only penny I know. But she won all the, the swimming medals. I think even a gold. Yeah, I know. She sure did. Yeah, she was great. But I, I would think like why, I, I get why they worry about it, about people posting that, but I don't get why that's not generating more interest, more viewers for their easily available streams versus, um, you know, trying to worry about containing people getting excited about mm-hmm content that's live. I think the key is still why network television exists. It's only good if it's live. Mm-hmm. And that's why sports is still good. That's why news is, is still powerful because you just want to turn something on and get a feed of information without having to like Google yeah. and search. And So and you're saying that these networks are, are hoarding their, their one their last orders. remaining power. Yeah. Yeah, and trying to like manipulate it to, you know, you know, package it up in a way that that people don't want. Like, mm-hmm. just give them the stuff when it's available. It's just silly to think that like people are going to wait till eight p.m. to watch your your biggest sport events. Mm-hmm. Um, it just it's just not. We're in twenty sixteen. So by by twenty twenty, how much different will that be in terms of how the IOC deals with um, content? How the networks deal with it and even how the the athletes themselves who are like generators of their own content there's so much content happening from them within olympic village um it'll be interesting to see how four years change it it's interesting that like twitter was you know started in 2008 Hmm. um, or 2006 by the beijing games it was sort of you know around and people were you know using it Mm -hmm. By London, it was kind of the the Twitter games. Um, by 2016, it's the you know real Instagram, Snap, kind of video social media games. What happens four years from now? That's what I think is really interesting. Is that mm-hmm. in four years, are we going to be talking about <laughs> Instagram stories? We'll be snap? talking about something. We definitely Some- will be talking about something. And I don't know that I have the ma- imagination right now to even conjure a guess at what yeah. that would be. Hologram, <laughs> I like it. There was a lot of VR during the Olympics too. Oh, so you could watch the the events in VR. Oh wow, yeah. And you could be completely immersive. So I mean, you were diving off of no that. more of like a three sixty view of them diving. So you could sort of look around more of a three sixty view. I've gone even further in my head, and yes. now I have to be yeah going off that board myself. Yeah. yeah. So sorry. Well, sorry. <laughs> one day. Sorry to bring you down. Yeah. That's a, that's a great way to end a summer of digital recap with us, Jackson Murphy, Nick Kewen, and the Rolling Stones, <laughs> the Rolling apparently. Stones. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Beast of Burden. Um, as we're saying this, we don't even know if you can hear it, but it'll be interesting to see because we can feel it and the lights are twinkling to the beat of someone who sounds nothing like Mick Jagger. No, but next podcast we should give a shout out to this incredible cover band beside us who's been our soundtrack to success today totally 
What are they called? Do we? Well, know? we're gonna have to find that. We're gonna out. have to find out. We'll yeah. dig deep. Yeah. Uh, thanks. We'll we'll see you at a podcast soon, or hear us at a podcast soon. You will hear us. Yeah. We, we should simulcast these on Snap or Periscope because then you could get the full experience. But then they'd see that we're in our underwear for some reason. We're fully clothed. (laughs) (laughs) And with that... (laughs) Speak for yourself, man. (laughs) Yeah, I'm actually fully clothed, too. And (laughs) and with with that, we go. Yeah. Yeah.